He lived in Dallas. As an evangelical, church-going Christian, he still is a follower of Jesus, although his Instagram has grown well beyond 400 followers. It started when he noticed a megachurch lead singer wearing $800 sneakers. Ben Kirby holds an MBA and considers himself a fervent follower of Jesus. But now Ben hosts an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. One month in, he had 100,000 followers, and all he did was close-ups of shoes worn by well-known preachers. Now he's moved well beyond sneakers. Here's just some of what's been showing up. A Seattle pastor wearing a $3,600 Gucci jacket. A Dallas pastor wearing a $1,250 fanny pack a Miami preacher wearing a $2,500 crocodile belt. In the comments section, it didn't take long before people started asking, what in the world? Self-control, modesty, not Hollywood glitz serving Jesus. That's what our Lord calls us to in serving Him. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And on this Tuesday, we're in a series called The Journey to Jerusalem. Jesus spent a lot of time in Jerusalem throughout his life. So when I say we're calling our series Journey to Jerusalem, I don't mean it was Jesus' first trip there. He was there at least once a year for the Passover. What I mean when I say that is that Jesus' earthly ministry from the time he was baptized all the way until his death on the cross was a journey to Jerusalem. His entire life was a mission to the cross, a mission to die. As we continue to look ahead to Easter, that's what we're looking forward to. Remembering that Christmas was all about Easter. Jesus was born to die. His life was a journey to Jerusalem, and that journey had him pass through his own hometown. And we're going to see how that visit to Nazareth almost got him killed. But that was not part of the plan. But before we hear about that story... I want to remind you about the Easter music of Andrew Peterson that we've been hearing and offering last week and this week. He's written what I would call the finest Easter album of our times. A sample of one of the songs that Andrew Peterson has on his album, Full of Resurrection Music, recently we were chatting, and he told me he wrote this album to help people see the bigger story of a new world that the resurrection points us towards. People think that Christianity is just about, oh, well, we're sinners, and Jesus died for us. That's true. We're sinners. Jesus died for us. He also conquered death, right? He also resurrected and is inviting us into this new creation, and is and like the idea that the new creation is not a disembodied existence in heaven floating around like Looney Tunes playing harps, you know, but that it's this grounded, earthy, resurrected flesh and bone bodies where there will be a feast and a wedding. I just feel like sometimes like kind of cultural Christianity has missed the real potency of the hope that we have in Christ. I heard somebody talking recently about like, okay, why are you a Christian? And the answer was because I believe the resurrection happened. Mm. Like, that's it. It's not the, that Christianity is a, is a better way to live. I think it is, mm. but that's not why you're a Christian. It's not just a philosophy mm. by which you, you live. Like there is this, uh, this fact 
that happened in history that we can't wiggle around, which is that this person named Jesus was God and he loves mm-hmm. us. I, once I realized, you know, that, that that was this central part of the gospel, it just has changed the way that I live my life. Award-winning musician and author Andrew Peterson. I want you to have his deluxe version of his Resurrection Letters, Volume 1, that includes a bonus five extra songs. The music will stir your heart to worship as you hear the profound lyrics telling the story of Christ's death and resurrection in an artistic and biblical way. Call us after the program. Make a gift to support our ministry. And make sure you ask for Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters 1. The number you can call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website and listen to samples from all of the songs on the CD. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And now, let's open with a song by Andrew Peterson. He's the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of creation And by him all things were created In heaven and earth Seen and unseen Rulers, dominions and powers and kings He holds all things All things All things together He holds all things All things, all things together He's the head of the body, the church The firstborn from the dead So in everything He is the head And the fullness of God Was pleased to dwell in Him To reconcile to Himself
with lyrics coming straight out of Colossians 1, 15 to 20. That's Andrew Peterson and All Things Together, one of those songs on his Resurrection Letters album. I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. Imagine the small town Jesus grew up in. Nazareth was not a place for the up-and-coming entrepreneurs looking to make it big. It was not a retirement village either. It was a poor village in what many think was the poorest region in Israel, Galilee. Galilee was for Israelites what many think of when they think of hillbillies, where I live in America, poor, uneducated, and therefore of little value to society. There was even a saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth? A line repeated by Nathaniel in John 1, 46. It was a hurtful comment, much like hillbilly can be harmful in our context today. It revealed how little people cared about or valued those people of Nazareth. But what does it show us? It shows us how much Jesus cares about the people no one else cares for. Jesus could have been born in a royal palace. He could have been born to a high-ranking rabbi there in the heart of Jerusalem. He could have been born literally anywhere else, but he chose to become Jesus of Nazareth. The Lord looked down. He heard the cries of his people, and he entered into their world. Not the world of the strong and well-off, but the world of the downcast and marginalized. That's important for us to consider. Jesus' journey to Jerusalem began on the outskirts of human society. Away from the political decisions that shaped his world, away from the religious meetings and sermons delivered by powerful men intent on staying powerful, he came to the hated and the despised. That was his hometown. His people weren't considered valuable by anyone else, but they were valuable to Christ. And there's something about the story I shared yesterday that shows us so clearly how he cared about his own people. Yesterday, I shared the story of Jesus clearing the temple. The religious leaders had overrun the court of the Gentiles to sell sacrificial animals where they were supposed to worship. And in that scene, Jesus paid special attention to those selling pigeons. He speaks directly to them. Why do you think that's so? Well, pigeons were for the poor who couldn't afford a bull or a goat to sacrifice. Jesus' own mother in Luke 2, after Christ Jesus was born, went to the temple and offered, you guessed it, a pigeon. To mistreat or exploit the poor was to mistreat Jesus' mother, his aunt, his Hebrew tutor growing up. He cared so deeply about his people, about the downcast and despised. It's a reminder for all of us of our calling as Christians, not to cozy up to power, but to use our lives and our gifts to love and bless those on the outskirts. Jesus cared about his own people, and that's what makes his return to Nazareth such a sad story. Luke 4 tells us what happened. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? they asked. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the village, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. What a story. Jesus returning to his hometown, Nazareth, from Luke four sixteen through 30. He was gaining in popularity, but he wasn't received well in his own hometown. They heard what he said, and much like a child who performs his first piano recital, they patted him on the back when he was finished. They spoke well of him. To them, this was just Jesus, the young man that grew up in his father's carpentry shop. They saw him every day, growing in his wisdom, getting stronger. But the people of Nazareth didn't think Jesus was the Messiah. A prophet has no honor in his hometown. He's too familiar to them. They didn't realize that Jesus' entire life was a fulfillment of that scripture that he read to them. He was sent by the Heavenly Father to proclaim good news to the poor, and the people of Nazareth were poor. He was sent to proclaim freedom to the captives. Israel was under Roman rule, captive to the Roman government. He was coming to Nazareth, and that was the beginning of this good news. But they missed out on it. And that's exactly what Jesus put his finger on. They didn't get angry that Jesus declared the fulfillment of the Lord's promises to them. They got angry that he challenged their indifference to this news. Hearing him declare himself a prophet and charge them with not listening, they became enraged. And isn't that like any of us? We're happy to hear a good sermon declaring that the Lord calls us to sacrificial love and a devotion to him that trumps our earthly allegiances, but we get angry when someone points out how we're failing to do it. We can get defensive when someone points out how we spend our time and even our money in ways that don't honor the Lord, or when we're told we neglect our calling to care for the mistreated in our society. The people of Nazareth were happy to listen to Jesus but they didn't want to believe him or submit to him as their Lord. So they got angry. They even tried to kill him. We might not try to kill a preacher for making us angry, but we have all felt the same way, caught in our sin, found out for our neglect, and desperate to find relief. They didn't realize what was happening. Jesus was fulfilling scripture in front of them, and they were part of it. Jesus came to his own people, his own village, but they rejected him. His journey to Jerusalem was painful, and many had to face his neighborhood, his brothers, his uncles, his school teachers, and he had to experience their hatred. It would only get worse from there. But there's one detail that I haven't mentioned. Jesus walked right through the crowd and went on his way. That's how the story ends. It wasn't his time yet. 
his journey to Jerusalem wasn't over. He still had to endure the hatred and the scorn of everyone in Jerusalem for the Passover. He still had to walk through the crowd on his way to Golgotha, the place where he had been crucified. In the face of so much rejection, Jesus never lost sight of Jerusalem. His hometown, the religious leaders, the politicians, even his own disciples missed it too often. They thought Jesus was there for other reasons, not to live and die to save us. But time and time again, Christ reminds us that he is good. He's good to us, even when we aren't good to him. He saves us when we think we are unsavable. He's always good, and he'll always be good to us. This reality reminds me of a song that Andrew Peterson wrote that's from the prologue of Resurrection Letters. It's called Always Good. I want you to hear this song with me, but first, Andrew told our friends at CCLI that he wrote this song as a good friend of his was mourning the loss of someone special. Well, Always Good was is a is a lament that's in a major key. It's a, It was written after a friend of mine lost his wife um, just hours after she gave birth to their first, first daughter. And so um, my sons were there at the hospital when that all happened, and they heard my friend weeping and saying, always good, always good, God is always good, when his wife died. And I was so struck by how much it must have cost him to say that. Mm -hmm. And so I I wrote the song um, and sent it to him and got to sing it at their funeral. And so the song was kind of born out of this terrible ache that in the face of that kind of suffering, somehow the Holy Spirit sometimes intervenes and Mm -hmm. proclaims the truth. It says that I know it's hard to believe right now, but he's always good. Do you remember how Mary was grieving? How you wept and she fell at your feet? If it's true that you know what I'm feeling, could it be that you're weeping with me? Arise, oh Lord, and save me. There's no
try to believe what is not meant to be understood. Will you help us to trust your intentions for us? We're still good. Cause you laid down your life and you suffered like I never could. And you were Lament filled with hope that only the risen Christ could bring. That's Always Good by Andrew Peterson in his Resurrection Letters, Volume 1. And I'm Charles Morris, and this is Haven Today and a program called The Journey to Jerusalem. Why don't we pray right now? Would you join me? Lord, as we've reflected back on this story of what happened in Nazareth, his own villagers trying to kill him, thinking that he was shaming them when he was actually there to give them good news, news that they rejected. May we not reject this good news. May we see the real purpose of why Jesus was born as a man and came on this earth to die on a cross, was resurrected, and the tomb was emptied, and he ascended into heaven. And we await the day when he will return for us, even now as he sits at the right hand of God the Father in heaven, making intercession for us. May we not just hear the gospel. May we grasp this good news. May it change our lives now, today, and tomorrow, and for eternity. I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. I really want you to hear the crafted music. It's creative. It's carefully written. It's found in Andrew Peterson's Resurrection Letters, Volume 1. It's a concept album that tells the story of Jesus from the cross to the moments of Christ's resurrection as his once dead heart begins to beat again. I know. finishes with two mighty songs of worship reminding us that he is worthy of our praise. The Lion of Judah, who conquered the grave, he is David's root and the Lamb who died to ransom the slave. From every people and tribe, every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom and priest to God.
I want you to have this special deluxe version of the Resurrection Letters 1 that includes five extra songs from his prologue EP. Here's the number to call and make your gift. Would you make contact with us right now? Call 800 654 2836. 800 65 Haven. Contact us right now so we can send it to you by Easter to enjoy, to worship. Or visit our website and listen to samples from all the songs on this deluxe CD. And then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And don't forget to check out the full-length interview that we have with Andrew Peterson on our new podcast called Great Stories with Charles Morris. You can find it on your favorite podcast player or listen to it by going to haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story? It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Stories have amazing power. They motivate, convict, inspire. They move us deeply. They connect us on a human level. In Hebrews 11, there's a short summary of God's great story. Familiar names from the Old Testament, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Rahab, Samson, and David, all of them heroes, Yet all of them flawed, broken people. But all of them did have one more thing in common. They were all looking forward, by faith, to a greater hero than themselves. And like every good story, at just the right time, the true hero entered the drama. Hebrews 12, 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Spend more time with Jesus with Anchor Devotional. Visit GetAnchor.com.